inspiring stories of recovery, practical tips for wellness, developing a culture of care. Welcome to Blue and Beyond, your official Air Force Wounded Warrior Program podcast. Hello, AFW2 listeners. Today we are talking to both Kyle and Reese Hines about their first time coming to trials. If you guys would, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've done in the AFW2 program. My name is Reese Hines. I am a retired Master Sergeant, served 13 years in the Air Force, retired in 2013. I've been involved with AFW2 as an athlete with the first care event in 2017, the trials, the Wounded Warrior Games, and also the Invictus Games. My first experience, I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. I had been avoiding going to any camps or participating because I wasn't sure what that meant for me adapting, what it meant for me competing. I felt a little bit like the adaptions were, I guess, in a sense, cheating, and it it didn't feel normal to me. I'd been an athlete my entire life, played several sports growing up, and even after joining the military, continued playing sports. So it's something I've done, and it's been, I guess, ingrained in me. So the adaption part was the hardest It was something that I had to get comfortable with because competing was second nature. It didn't take anything to really get on that level, but also learning how to adapt in some events and sports that I didn't have any experience in. Reese, tell me a little bit about your injuries that you had to make some of these accommodations in your different sports. I was working on an IED when it detonated and I was laying prone in front of it. So it was within two feet of my head and my face, but also I had my arms extended out in front of me, so my right hand took a significant amount of damage. It nearly amputated it during the blast. They managed to reattach it, but the resulting damage left the middle finger pretty much locked in position, and I had just a bare minimum amount of of motion at the end of the finger. My thumb has some motion, but it's basically locked in kind of a like a C-type position so I can grip, but it's something that it's mostly convenience more than, than anything else. And in fact, they rated it as uh, worse than a prosthetic device. I have my right eye enucleated, essentially removed. I have some damage to my left eye that requires me to wear a special contact lens, so I still have some vision issues on the remaining good eye. My right wrist has been fused, so there's maybe 20 to 30 degrees of motion. My left leg suffered some soft tissue damage and also some muscle loss and damage to the knee area. And then it was PTSD and TBI. I had a moderate TBI due to a arterial bleed in my brain. So there's definitely some things I had to get used to with learning how to hold on to things, how to grip, how to position certain things and also with throwing I tried it with the right side but you know I'm right-handed but it it didn't work out with the shot put or the discus and I had to kind of reprogram the pathways in my brain to try to do things from the left side and with the amount of choreography with moving and turning it was something that took a lot of practice and still didn't feel comfortable and took a lot of mental preparation to remind myself and to kind of almost force my way through turning and moving opposite of what I'd always done my entire life. 
And so, Kyle, tell me a little bit about you being an athlete in the AFW2 program and, and a little bit about your background. My name is Kyle Hines. I'm a retired master sergeant. I retired in 2013 after 14 years in service. I started with the AFW2 program basically because my RCC kept trying to get me to go and I kept refusing and then there was a trip to Hawaii and I lived in Alaska and it was January so (laughs) I decided to go because why not and if I didn't like it I'd never go again so that's what started it I was at the very first Air Force trials that was put on I competed in the Warrior Games and as well as Invictus I was an ultimate champion the year before my husband was. I medaled in all of, all of the uh, Warrior Games I was in, but also I medaled twice in, in Invictus. Awesome. Fantastic. And so tell us a little bit uh, about your first trials experience, Kyle, and, and kind of what was it like and what are some of the things that, that you experienced at that trials? Well, my very first trials, um, because it was the very first one, I felt a lot of pressure because there was a lot of people there that were higher ups and I didn't really know anybody in the system. I, my PTSD, like I'd been in therapy and, and working towards, and that was part of why I started doing it was because I needed to start socializing again. I had very much isolated myself. So that was a huge amount of people to be around, be around with that. Um, so going into it, the athletic side of it, I knew I was going to be fine. Um, I've been an athlete my entire life. I've been coached my entire life. I competed in in almost everything that I um, had competed in at trials, with the exception of um, archery. I picked up archery later um, and ended up loving it. But I, I wasn't concerned about that part. I was concerned about how I was going to react to all the people and all the touching and all the hugging and all the everything and all the noise. and. It really was really, really tough for me. Um, and then adding in the competitive level, I was actually able to zone down into, I'm going to go ride my bike, and I'm just by myself, and I'm riding my bike. and um, Or I'm going to go run, or I'm going to go do, you know, and I was just by myself doing it. So that helped me be able to deal with the other parts of things. So you're saying that... Um you know, trials can be sometimes overwhelming and there's so much going on. There's so many other athletes, so many competitors, but also some senior leadership there. So there's constantly things going on. But one of the ways that you were able to zone in was just focus in on, on your competition or your your part. Yep. And, and that's exactly what I did is I, I would focus in and, and, and sometimes other people take that the wrong way. Um, because when I start getting ready for a race, that's all I'm doing is I'm just watching and I'm very kind of stone faced, kind of like I'm in my own head and I'm not talking to a lot of people. And they, they, sometimes people take it the wrong way that I'm being uber competitive, that I'm being whatever it is, you know, and, and every single time somebody asks me if I'm going to win, I always say, I always say yes. Yeah. I mean, I go into every race expecting to win. Um, and people sometimes take that the wrong way, but some of that is has been ingrained in me through the years of playing sports, but some of that's also the PTSD. There's a flat affect that comes with some people with PTSD, and that flat affect I definitely have. And people take it absolutely the wrong way because I don't get overly excited, but I don't get overly emotional about things. But when I'm concentrating, that's what I'm concentrating on. I'm concentrating on winning. Um, I'm concentrating on doing the best that I can. It's not even about beating other people. I don't have any animosity towards any other athletes, but there's also, there's athletes that are right there with me. And and that was probably one of my other bigger issues is that some people 
don't have the same process that I do, and some people do do things differently than I do. And I struggled with that because now I'm trying to get people to like me. I'm trying to be social, but I also have this other part of me that's competitive. I'm just, and so I struggled with it. And I, you know, we talked to my therapist, or I talked to, uh, you know, some of the staff, or I talked to people. Like, I don't want people to not like me, but like this is just what happens. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I have, I, I have, yeah, <laughs> I have an RBF. You know, as they say, I have yes. those faces that when I'm just like watching or really intent on something. It looks like I'm I'm angry. Yeah, and, and you know because AFW two definitely pushes um, and advocates. You know, part of team selection is that social piece and and how does teamwork coming in, into play and being that good wingman because that's that's important. And so one of the things that we do talk about is that preparation before for the race that gets you into that mindset. And some people do need to be social, and, and, but other people like you need to be. Hey, I need to go internal, kind of like what Reese you were saying. Kind, of, can you talk a little bit about that, Reese? How do you get into the moment before your competition? Working with the, the wingman aspect before, you know, being a good teammate wingman. Part of that is that competitive part of me. I don't want to compete against somebody who I know I'm just going to walk in and win. If I don't have to try my hardest, it's not a competition. So the competitor in me wants to be competing against the very best. I could possibly be competing against. So I definitely will help whoever, whether it's my team, whether it's somebody else, well, I'll do that. The process for me starts with, I guess, knowing what I'm competing in and mentally going through the the motions of it or visualizing the different parts and pieces that have to happen. And not just the actual start to run to the finish line. It's more, how am I going to warm up how am i going to to move before the starting blocks you know what what things do i need to do what things do i want to do what things can i possibly if i don't have time or misjudge it or whatever because nerves and you know it's always murphy's law so you never know what's going to happen exactly but what do i need to have happen essentially and then you know i don't ever envision myself losing that's not something i think is part of like a, a good competitor's mindset. I mean, I think if you're competing, you are competing to win. So that's what you visualize. But also you kind of prepare yourself for if that doesn't happen, if for whatever reason I trip or for whatever reason something happens and I don't win, realizing that I'm still there and the person who wins that event deserves my respect, deserves my attention to that what they just did because they beat me doing my very best i think that's part of the competitor's role it's something that you feed back on and you take it and prepare for later and i mean it's perfectly fine to feel upset about it or not be happy with it but i mean that's something personal so you keep that to you you know maybe go over with your coach or you know your close teammates but that's that's still something that doesn't need to be shown or voiced. Part of the competitive nature is you still congratulate the winners and those who have done well. So, and also if you win, I mean, that's, you turn around and you look at your competitors and you show them what it's like to win. They're not the enemy. You're not going out there to kill them. That's not your, your mission per se. We're all a part of the Wounded Warrior program. So this is something we still 
essentially are all on the same team. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of different concerns related to what is this true competition like, but also almost like here's all these obstacles that I have back at home, but everybody, nobody else has these obstacles. You know, is that something? That's what it felt like. And I, I mean, everybody has the obstacles. You just don't see it that way mm-hmm. when, when you're sitting there by yourself. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't know Reese yet. And so I was doing it all by myself. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to go out and actively find coaches. I wasn't actively trying to find people to work out with because I was still very, very much in that beginning stages of kind of crawling out of my, my, my PTSD hole. Like I was, and it was good for me to be getting out and doing things, but I still wasn't doing it with anybody. I was doing it alone. And, and I was fine with that. Like, I, you know, I, I like working out alone. I like doing certain things alone, but, um, that wasn't that didn't help me necessarily when other people became involved when other people started pulling at me at different ways or or wanting advice and stuff I'm like I don't know this is like but going in it just felt like I was behind the curve I think often people see recovery as a start to finish and don't always realize that it's more often than not a continuous journey that is it's always going to be a path you're on there's always something you can do to improve yourself but it's also not linear. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs, a lot of times when it seems like things are going really well and time's flying by, but then there's times where there's huge setbacks and mentally to accept that, that that's part of it. It's easy to quit when that happens. It's easy to make excuses. And a lot of the time I, I do, you know, it's not something I'm necessarily proud of, but it's, uh, you know, it's something that people often need to realize that it's, it's never going to always be easy. There's always going to be something that, you know, challenges you in a way. What kind of advice would you give to a, to one of your fellow warriors uh, that is competing for the first time at trials? What's something that you would say to them? If you're competing for the first time, just kind of take the whole experience in and, and do the very, and do the best you can on that day. And if you have a good day, great. If you have a bad day, that's okay too. I mean, there's always another competition. Um, not one single athlete ever from the professional Olympic levels all the way down has not had a bad day. <laughs> Every single time I've made it into the finals for archery, I have messed it up. Every single time and so every single time I've thrown an arrow all the way up into Invictus I threw an arrow and then shot three bullseyes after that but it wasn't enough Uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself Uh, that's a big thing it's a very busy very taxing on your body make sure that you're you know taking care of yourself and, and getting the rest that you need and you know soaking yourself and and wrapping yourself and doing all those things that you know are tough on your body because and just keep pushing and you're going to be sore and it's going to be a lot i had a lot the physical but i also with my with my brain injury with the tb with tbi and the, and the ptsd it was it was just exhausting for me and there was times that i had to be like i I'm going to go into this room and lay down and take a nap i get bad headaches i get you know stuff like that happens and i just have to tell people look, I can't right now. This gym's too loud. This is too loud. I'm going to go rest for a little bit to try to, otherwise I would have been done. And my temper goes and my attitude goes and it just, it's not worth that. Make the best of of it and and do the best you can and learn from the other people. Talk to the other people. Um, I don't know how many things that we've picked up about the VA, about, you know, healthcare, about this program, that program, whatever, you know, just listen, talk to people. Um, there's always going to be, you know, people that have have ideas and you have ideas that they've never heard of. So um, that would be my advice is just 
throw the bad days off, ride on the good days, you know, and absolutely have to take care of yourself. If you're not feeling, if you're not feeling good, you know, just definitely, um, it'll just compound if you don't take care of yourself. I would say everything that Kyle just said, but also it's a long event with several small events in between practices and competitions. So take it one chunk, one block, one event at a time. It's easy to wrap yourself up and look towards the end and worry the whole time. Am I going to make the team? Am I not going to make the team? But that's not something you can control without doing those small incremental events in between and being able to focus on those individually and preparing for those individually, I think sets you up for better success. It's also easy to forget that your preparation has to be adapted. You have to realize everybody's unique, but you need to take care of yourself. Somebody isn't going to take care of you. You know, you need to realize and listen to your body and plan ahead with recovery activities, with stretching, massage, soaking, hot tub, ice, whatever it is, having the right personal medical equipment with you so that you can prepare for the next day, prepare for the the rest of the week. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's easy to look at everybody else and think they're all professionals and have been around it forever, but a lot of times you're there with somebody else who is just as new and just as unsure about what they're doing as you are. So don't be afraid to ask questions and maybe it's for your benefit. Maybe somebody else hears it. You know, there's a lot of people you're going to meet and it's an amazing opportunity to make friends and make connections, not just with the other competitors, but also with the staff and with the people who are at that local event, whether it be at Nellis or Eglin or Offit or wherever it is, you know, you have a chance to meet people and make connections, which I think is probably one of the biggest things with getting into adaptive sports. Otherwise, it's almost impossible to do it on your own. So is there anything else you'd like to add, um, especially for these first timers? Anything that you think that you forgot? Watch what you eat. There's going to be some pressures from some people that want to go out. It is Vegas, but watch what you're doing. Watch what you're putting into your body. You're, you're definitely pushing for the whole time. And, and keep an eye out if somebody else looks like they're they're struggling. And if you don't know what to do, that's fine. Um, tell a staff member, you know, because sometimes people will keep pushing because they think that's what's going to get them on the team. And they don't understand that there's a huge list of things that go into how somebody makes this team. And it's not you personally per se they can only have x amount of people in certain classifications and certain so it's not you know you may have won all the medals but not make the team and that's not uh, anything against you so you can't take it personally um with that aspect that doesn't mean that you're not a good athlete it's um there's other things going into it so maybe if i haven't said it but have fun yeah yeah it's i mean this is essentially what is at the root of it it's still a game it's still a sport so have fun I mean even if you're doing it for the first time in learning it's still you're getting to do something new it's a new experience I think always what's probably been my most exciting part about it is going out and trying something new and then the best part is discovering you absolutely love it and want to keep doing it so thank you, Kyle and Reese, for uh, sharing your kind of your experiences at, specifically at your trials. Um, and so it seems like you guys have been incredibly successful competing all the way up to the Invictus level. So thank you, and uh, I think our first timers, especially our first timers, will gain some good experience from you. So thanks. This has been an episode of Blue and Beyond. 
your official Air Force Wounded Warrior Program podcast. Connect with us on social media to keep up with all things AFW2 and be on the lookout for the next Blue and Beyond podcast.